and welcome to Twin Peaks Podcasting. I am one of your hosts, Colleen Carney Hefner. I am the other of your hosts, Chris Pruitt. Producer Mac Guerrero. Uh, we are all on staff of a literary journal called Drunk Monkey. You can check us out at drunkmonkey.us. You can follow us at Drunk Monkey on Twitter. You can follow us for this stuff on TV Logcast on Twitter. Um, and we are going to be talking today about season two, episode 10 of Twin Peaks. Dispute between brothers, which is a weird name for this episode, but it's part of the course. Um, before we get into it, I just want to mention that we are open for submissions now at Drunk Monkey, so feel free to send us up between now and uh, the end of August. We're open for all categories, including the 24-hour submission, which is a $3 fee. Um, our July issue will be coming out on the 12th of July. I don't know when this will air, but it will be probably out by then. So just check it out. Lots of good stuff coming down the old pipe. Um, if you are new to us, which why would you be at this point? It's kind of weird, but uh, we <laughs> we listen. We watch these episodes. Yeah, <laughs> we watch these episodes. It's finally getting them. <laughs> uh, it's a discussion about each. Right, <laughs> we're finally hitting our stride. Ninety episodes. In. We are a spoiler light podcast, so we don't get too much into anything beyond the episode we're discussing. So if you're watching Twin Peaks for the first time and you're following along with us, you will not be spoiled for like, you know, the next 90 episodes of season two <laughs> onward. Uh, anyway, so yeah, let's just get right into it. Um, I, I did want to say before we start uh, that when you said we're just hitting our stride thing reminded me of uh, as of when we're recording this a couple weeks ago, there was a tweet that was going around virally that said something like Lynchian is an adjective that means the movie has a weird guy. And I uh, um, and I my friend sent it to me and I was just like, looks at the 17 episodes of David Lynch themed podcast I've recorded. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh god there's been some good twin peaks memes going around lately real good <laughs> like that bisexual couch with bob crawling oh my over god. <laughs> that's what that was i saw that chris sent that to me and like 10 seconds beforehand fritz had sent it to me like, all right <laughs> i'm surprised it's, hub didn't send it to us if there's, if there's one thing that's true of this fandom it's that we love to shit post yeah <laughs> it's shit posting capital of the world it's man when, when that was when the return was airing live the memes that were coming out were just breathtaking <laughs> it was that was such a good year like such a good summer a good vibe just every week was a, an adventure. I miss, it's like when Pokemon Go came out and everything yeah. was amazing for a summer. It's like the same thing. Retweet and to get two some... rides. <laughs> I'll bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So this episode is kind of bizarre because of the tonal shifts that happen in it. It shifts around a lot. Uh, we open up with um, Sarah preparing for Leland's funeral. Leland has died in the previous episode after being revealed as Laura's killer. Um, they're kind of at the funeral home or whatever, and she's just kind of chatting with Coop and them. And, you know, they're like, well, he's at peace now. It's cool. Like, you know, and she's like, everything, everyone I love is dead. And it's so horrifying. It's like, Grace is so good as Sarah and like her pain is so palpable and we say it every episode but give her like an Emmy now for all the work she did then but yeah, a retroactive Emmy or something it's so 
good. And it's like, yeah, okay, like he's at peace and, and you know, he saw Laura at the end and she forgave him or whatever. But like, now Sarah's all by herself and, and it's not really a spoiler to say it's gonna remain that way. And it's just really sad. Um, there's, a, there's a few things about this exchange in the scene in general that I think are kind of important to note. Um, one thing that I've been paying attention to a lot on this rewatch that normally has not bothered me, but because uh, my beloved co-host mentions it so frequently, now I think about it all the time, is how unclear the flow of time is through most of the scenes in this show. It usually works for me because it's like, you know, a lot of different stuff is happening in different places. And like, sometimes the order is important, sometimes it's not. But um I will say you can definitely feel the tunnel shift here because it opens with this thing that says three days later in the green font across the screen, which the show has never done anything quite like that up to this point, I don't think. And it really doesn't do anything like that again that I specifically remember. And it, so it feels suddenly weird for them to care about saying a couple days have passed. Like, yeah, like normally, clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it actually, for me, it's almost more confusing because it's like, it's one thing if they just fully commit to this sort of, the flow of time is ambiguous here, you know, you're not always clear how much time has elapsed between events, but then all of a sudden, for some reason, it was really important to say, after Leland died, a couple of days happened. <laughs> like, very, <laughs> very strange moment to me. Um, also, um, at the very beginning of this conversation, um, Doc Hayward is there and in his like quintuple board certified role is like offering her seemingly some kind of sedative or antidepressant or something and she talks about being like no I don't want to take that for this funeral I I want to be fully there um, and it feels I feel like this line is actually kind of interesting, or at least this contrast is, because we also we know that Leland has been drugging Sarah to be able to get away with his shenanigans, or at least his, you know, whatever we want to consider Bob's possession of him to be um, that version of Leland um, was drugging her and so forth. So it's interesting now at the end of things with this resolve, she has this sort of... Um, this sort of desire to be present. I don't want to be yeah, taken out clarity. of the truth anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's a face it head on. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. wants to. Most people because most people when when people die, that's when you see them all sedated. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Uh all messed up because you know they're numbing a pain, you know. But this for it's it's different for her. I have a note here. Now I'm going to be honest. I started these notes when I first started watching this episode right before the last podcast, which was a while. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, okay, like I'm not gonna rewatch the first like five minutes because I already took notes for it, but now I don't remember what this note means. So I wrote missing an earring. And then I wrote the little things loved ones do that are uh, that are gone when they die are the most heartbreaking, which is definitely true. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, oh, you know, like you think of somebody you love that's passed away and you think of like, like I always think of my friend Elisa and she liked carefree gum, you know, mm-hmm. she carefree gum and it's like, now she doesn't have it. You know what I mean? She doesn't have it to offer anybody. It's just like sad things like that or whatever. But I don't know why I wrote missing. Because because she says she has one earring on and she shows that she's missing the other one. And she says, Leland would always find the other one for me. Oh, or okay, something like yeah. that. So it's like without him there and without, you know, whoever Leland <sighs> is minus this possession of Bob and however literal that is, 
that's the thing that she's missing there with missing that earring so yeah that yeah, makes that's a, sense it's a good pull um, yeah and all yeah and also like they were married for so long so you get into a, a rhythm with a partner more so than you do with a child where it's like okay like oh this is the way he makes the bed or this you know and then when those things are gone it's like the worst yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah this is such a poignant beginning of this episode and you're like okay we're gonna deal with Leland's funeral it's gonna be really gut-wrenching and then we'll go from there no we're just gonna cut right to the mercy meal where everyone's like wacky it's so bizarre (laughs) like it's such a bizarre shift and and i i do want to talk about this tone issue and i don't know if it makes more sense to up front or at the end of the episode but maybe i just will now because you're bringing it up um is is like we often basically everywhere on the internet you'll see this like sort of spoken about as the episode where it starts to get shitty for a while and uh to a degree that's true i i think that a lot of what the show loses is um you know because earlier episodes of twin peaks also have weird tonally bizarre things in them they also have you know humor that doesn't quite fit in they also occasionally have scenes that are like why the fuck are we talking about this what is this why why was this here but i think when you have that underlying momentum of Laura and about how the the sort of damage that radiates out from her passing and so forth, even when stuff was going on that didn't make sense, there was still an urgency to the series and there's still a, uh, there's still an emotional core. Like basically everything the series talks about that is sort of poignant or important and is sort of interesting in how it, is like examines the idea of like the sort of fetishization of violence against women, things like that. All that stuff that makes the show unique radiates out from that plot point of Laura. And what happens here is for a little bit, the series is going to start treating uh, the issue of Laura as more or less resolved. And whatever lingering questions that were left from that are gonna be treated as like, well, maybe that's gonna lead into a new plot. And what it does is I feel like it just sets the show adrift tonally because now the things that are like funny or strange or quirky or whatever, they don't feel like some sort of strange relief from this. They just feel like a random scene of bullshit, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, no, it's not a particular spoiler to say this series will eventually come back to the issue of Laura and come back to how the things around that uh, continue to play into the story well after her murder and even in some ways how it plays into things before her murder and guess what when the show goes back to pulling on that thread again it gets good again yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like and and I I think that it's really it's almost black and white really is it's just when it loses that momentum I'm I mean, apart from one or two things, almost everything in this episode could have been in an earlier episode of Twin Peaks, but it wouldn't have felt rudderless because there would have been the thing that we needed to address. There would have been the the thing we needed to feel, and there would have been that hurt that sort of ties all of it together. And instead, we just are about to get some like Statler and Waldorf looking ass dudes and we're gonna like you know we're gonna go harder on the nadine has super strength plot point than we ever have and it's like what's holding it together anymore and we're gonna struggle with that for a few episodes yeah it's gonna be rough i always i'm always like okay like the first few episodes of season two great yeah 80 terrible the last three kind of great yeah yeah we're gonna get into season three yeah (laughs) it's a whole other ballpark Anyway, 
Um, so yeah, we get into this mercy meal that has like the biggest mercy meal spread I've ever seen. And I will remind everyone that I grew up in the funeral industry. So I've seen a lot of these. <laughs> seen a lot of these and it's so <laughs> unusual. And I know a lot of dead people. So yeah, um, <laughs> I did write in here. I wrote uh, I, I wrote quite the spread and, and a later note, but I want to say it right now. is Nothing says I miss my dead loved one like corn on the cob. Yeah. <laughs> to I, me, corn on the cob is the most bizarre funeral, I mean, mercy meal food I've ever seen in my life. Like, what are you doing? You're so sloppy. I will say, in big contrast to the whole thing I just went through, is that one shot as you see everybody putting the food on the table and, like, as you point out, kind of very strange foods for, like, a wake or whatever, um, it, it feels very Twin Peaks in that particular yeah. moment. Just that <laughs> shot where they're just shot. loading tons of weirdly home-cooked-looking food for a TV set onto the <laughs> table and the credits, like, the... The post credits credits are like coming up and stuff. It's really funny to me. It's so weird. Um, so we, yeah, we're at this this mercy meal and Nadine is there in her like weird baby doll dress, which is actually like a really cool dress. I yeah. And her like patent leather shoes. It's a look. It's like, almost an e girl thing. Like she could do that on is. Instagram like today. You know. Yeah, it is. Um, and and you know like they keep kind of cutting to her. They're gonna get to her in a second. Deal, but. Uh, we have a, a brief moment with Norma and Ed talking. Like this is really kind of pulling everyone together. Um, then we have this like weird girl chat that's Donna's mom, Sarah, and Audrey. <laughs> it's like this episode has a few of these weird pairings that are almost like the random friends episode where it's a Phoebe and Chandler episode, which is like, doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> Or it's like, yeah, okay. like no. <laughs> what a weird pairing. But I'm like, yeah, I guess we'll just chat about like stuff with Audrey, who like famously didn't like Laura. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with that. It feels a little like in the wake of this, like their decision to push on with the show, like let's resolve this mystery and keep the show moving. They're like, I don't know, let's bounce some of these other characters off of each other and see what happens. See, so like what sticks, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, we, I, I do want to point out about the girl chat scene is the way we get there visually is uh, Hank, uh, affectionately, affectionately known as, uh, what do we dingus. call him? Just Dingus? dingus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on this show um, is he makes two plates of food. He goes over and sees Norma talking with Ed. And when he sees that, he goes, uh actually i got this other plate for sarah and he kind of like <laughs> owns her like that and then he goes over and he's like here you go you should eat it while it's hot and in a rare face move for audrey she just straight up like at the instant hank turns around she straight up takes the food and like just yeets it out of the scene <laughs> <laughs> and she's like she's actually... don't let anybody into these things do people even invite them god <laughs> she actually kind of rules this episode yeah she's great in this episode we'll get back into that but um yeah we have so we have this and then we have this funny like ed and donna moment where Very funny like real rough stuff huh james totally centers himself around every tragedy and, and makes it about him. And now he's gone. He truly thinks that the world revolves around him. And Ed's like, maybe he'll come back. Yeah. It's, like, it's Ed's, Ed's tone, his delivery in this scene is very like, oh, honey, you poor thing. James is very stupid. He'll come home eventually. <laughs> he'll come home, but you could do better. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm hurting because you're hurting. This is not a thing. Don't worry <laughs> it's about it. For me to see you so yeah. torn up about James. Yeah, exactly. And he's related to me. Uh, yeah, he's just James's constant centering of like Laura's dead, and it's all about me. Yeah. It's, but but mercifully, mercifully, his response spares us from having to deal with him in this particular episode. So that's yeah. that's a you know that's an A plus. Hundred percent, James. <laughs> um, okay, so then we have let's see. Uh, oh, uh, then the major is like, "Hey, Doctor Jacoby, glad to see you're feeling better." It's a very much like let's get everyone together and yeah, yeah, rehash their plot lines just so you can remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Dr. Jacoby's like, yeah, I had a nice relaxing stay in Hawaii. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Sorry I asked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I don't care. It's so strange. Um, Dr. Jacoby, who looks like he's gonna play bass for like the squirrel nut zippers or something. Mercy <laughs> <laughs> Meal Entertainment. He's ahead of the wave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanna I wanna point out real quick before we keep going with this that Netflix has taken um yeah. twin piece off which sucks because hulu has it and their closed captions are garbage they're yeah. long <laughs> all over the place so i don't know who needs to get fired at hulu <laughs> or at netflix maybe it's Hopefully it's weird like the intent is correct but oftentimes words will be truncated and stuff i i don't know it's really odd <laughs> it's yeah, a strange I, thing I don't, with it hulu, really bothers uh, me for their shows it's happened really? on lost and stuff like that uh, oh. yeah so I've seen it happen a lot. So whoever Hulu has doing their captions, I, I don't know what's going on there. It's not great. So, because okay. I know that you're following along with it and I just yeah. put that out. Um, okay, so we have that. And then we have these two old dudes, like, yeah, Statler and Waldorfing. And it's like, we've never seen these people before. Yeah. And yeah. they're obviously someone everyone knows because they're at this mercy meal and everyone's like, oh, those guys. And it's like, well, who the fuck are these people? Like, and why are they fist fighting in front of the corn on the cob? Yeah, and we we get like we only get like two very brief shots of them. They mumble through all of their lines, so it's not really clear what's happening. Uh, the it's only so context we fight. get is Jack Nance shows up looking like a daddy in a suit here. Oh, and, he looks so good, <laughs> and and he gives like very typical of his delivery on the show a very funny brief like low down about what the deal is with these characters like oh one of them's the mayor like the other one runs the newspaper they don't like each other the newspaper guy is 110 he's marrying a girl that's a teenager he describes this in a wonderful <laughs> phrase which he uses as a january to december deal <laughs> um and one of those january december deals yeah <laughs> okay. and then and then it just disappears it's gone. Yeah, it's like, like oh, we'll, okay. we'll yeah, see they, it again throughout the season. But like, they named the episode about this, and it's literally like that's ten what seconds saying, of almost inaudible that's, footage. <laughs> that's why I said it was a weird title because it's yeah. like they're like, oh, they've always been fighting, and almost nobody even remembers why at this point. And then they like bring them up, like Harry takes one of them, and they're just like, okay, that's enough. Like, have some respect, and that's it. That's it. That's all you see. So it's like, well, what the? Why isn't this called literally anything else? Mm-hmm. very weird it could and be called then, like james isn't in this episode <laughs> yeah. and, so. and to make matters worse we smash cut from that to oh we're enrolling nadine in high school um uh yeah but we're not done talking yet uh about this real quick uh coop has vacation time he's gonna go oh, that's right that's right major yeah. 
Uh, Nadine is very concerned that you can see her underpants in her skirt. Yes. Leads to a very amazing Donna shot where she's like actively looking. Yeah, Donna, after spending minutes pining over James and like his self-centered heartbreak is looking at Nadine and Ed like, oh, you are weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just so strange. They're like, your shoes are fine. Plus no one's looking, get over here. And then we also have this moment with Sarah and that we come back to them where she describes this very strange, like, oh, one time Donna came over and we made popcorn, right? So that implies like she was there too. And they made this promise to be best friends. Like uh, maybe it was like a bond against death or something. And it's like, these are the ramblings of a mad woman. First of all, were you there when this happened? Second of all, is this from the movie, which I know that gets spoilery, and I think it might be, like, hearkening to a scene that later is in the movie, which, of course, is a prequel. Um, but also, she's like, we made popcorn. So I'm like, are you part of this conversation? The whole thing seems so <laughs> strange weird. to me. Yeah. And it's it's just like, a oh, you know, you think she's going to be like, oh, one time they came over and they were just being silly and it was so nice. But it's instead this, like, deep, like, they made a pact to be best friends even in death. And it's like, I'm sorry, but teenage girls don't do that. Even if you're completely fucked up on drugs and like prostituting yourself, you're still not like the boundary of death will never tear me from (laughs) my 17 year old best friend. Like, it's just not a thing. And I thought it was weird. Yeah, we'll have to be thoughtful about that when we get to the film. I I don't remember if that's a specific scene or something there, but And then Audrey's just there like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Audrey. (laughs) Why are you telling, I could see Donna's mom this mm-hmm. Audrey's just in there like that's weird <laughs> like, it's just so well, Sarah, Sarah's at the end of a rough ride here so yeah. well, she's not really at the beginning of a rough yeah, ride well yeah but it. she doesn't know that <laughs> um okay so let's see yeah she's like this is just I need to remember back on the old days I wrote this episode completely all over the place so yeah then we have that whole description of Dwayne the mayor and his brother which is like real like oh the mayor in the newspaper and I just stopped watching the wire and I'm like ah it's like <laughs> real newspaper <laughs> shenanigans are gonna happen um yeah 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 okay we have like oh uh yeah okay so now we are smash cutting to nadine being enrolled in high school and i'm sorry but nadine's supposed to be 35 well it's not only that but and they'll lampshade this later in the episode and i'll talk about it because it is genuinely funny but it's like it's so funny that like since episode like two or three or something we've basically not seen the school at all despite Mm -hmm. constantly following these teenage characters and the next time it finally comes back into play is because they're enrolling a person who is not supposed to be there in the school it's It's like none of the people who are supposed to go to school go to school and 35 year old do go to school <laughs> the school stuff is so bizarre and we actually come back to school stuff later, yeah we're, it, we are far from done with that but episode. the thing is like they're like you want us to enroll a 35 year old i'm like i'm sorry like i love nadine but like that's a rough 35 she's yeah. 35 i'm yeah. almost 40 <laughs> like yikes uh i mean isn't that supposed is- to be the deal with her though like i you know, I she's. I don't understand. I just yeah, feel like all know. these people are fifty. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't. I thought she was the same age as like Leland and them, and there's no way they're thirty-five. So I'm just like, I don't, I don't know any of the time stuff is all fucked up. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, yeah. So this is all like she's like, oh god, Eddie, like cheerleading tryouts are today. Class is 
is starting and I'm late. And it's like, oh, it, <laughs> it, like, yeah. We only get a partial resolution there, but it's we can see what's coming. It's Ed and Jacoby talking to ostensibly the principal yes. of the school, like trying to get like, I guess the upshot is Jacoby is thinking it will be good for her to be able to act out this fantasy for the meantime or whatever. Um, That's like uh, I, I wish I could say we're not going to see more of this this episode, but uh, we're going to see do. far more than we would like to of this this episode. Oh goodness gracious! Um, um, cut to the okay. Great Northern, I think. Yes, um, uh, Coop is packing. Coop is packing. He's also got trying on a fishing vest he's gotten for this night fishing he's been invited on by Major Briggs. And yeah. one of the ways you can tell you're seeing a bad episode of Twin Peaks is because <laughs> Coop is wearing a fishing vest in it. And in fact, this this will be something for us to track over the next few episodes. How frequently do you see Coop in a fishing vest? And how does it correlate with whether or not the episode sucks? I, th I think it's about one-to-one. -one. Um, <laughs> definitely keep track of it. Yeah. In, yeah. in my memory, it's a one-to-one -one sign that you're seeing a bad <laughs> episode. Um, this conversation that they have is typical of many uncomfortable Cooper and Audrey scenes and is, is particularly notable for part of the exchange that sucks because she, she goes, oh, this is just like you to break my heart and then leave. And then Coop is like, now you know, Audrey, we can't keep talking like this. We can't be together. And she goes, yeah, I know. I'm a teenager. And he goes, and you were involved in a case I was working in. It, like, almost, like, I don't even think that this was the intent in the writer's room or whatever, but the way it reads in the scene is straight up like, yeah, I don't care that you're a teenager. <laughs> like, it's an <laughs> issue that you were involved in a case. <laughs> it's almost like before all this stuff with her happened, he's like, you're just a teenager. And then she got, like, involved. And he's like, yes, now I have enough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I yeah maybe like, it's oh. like that, but that's also very strange. It's just, it's so uncomfortable. His being. moral code is, is first you are involved in a case and then, oh, and also your age is kind of problematic. <laughs> like, yeah. um, she has this amazing line where uh, she says, like, I didn't write it down, which was stupid. She says like your biggest problem is you're amazing or something. You're too perfect or something. Yeah, you're it's too like perfect. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's something like the biggest problem with you is that you're perfect or whatever. Um, it's like wow, Audrey, calm down. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> just so horny. And like never, never say that to a man. Like just yeah, don't do stop. it. Stop. I almost it. wanted to text that to Fritz to see how he would respond. <laughs> like if somebody stuff. said, like if you said that to him, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Like, you know, there's always those, like, text your husband this and see how See what the reaction is. Yeah, yeah, that would be really funny. But, uh, but then I figured he'd probably just be like, thanks. So, like, because that's pretty much our relationship anyway. So, I, uh, he is a heartbreaker, that coop. Okay, so the main thing that this conversation between these two uh, accomplishes for us is we get some sort of solidification of the coop backstory the tragic past that we've had some hints about up until now but have been sort of little wisps or like fragments of something he just sort of lays it out here um in a very in a way that feels very typical of the way the episodes in this segment of the series go where it's just sort of eh, no we're, we're kind of done laying the good breadcrumbs and we're just going to sort of this happened and this happened and this happened um, very specifically, and, yeah. and so what 
the upshot here is he tells this very straightforward story about how, well, Audrey, despite your teenagedom, the real reason I can't be with you is that one time uh, I was with a woman who was involved in a case, even though it was a really bad idea. And, uh, you know, somehow that made me not ready. <laughs> and she died. And my partner, Wyndham Earl, went insane. And now I, I never I never bone a teenager that is involved in a case that I'm in. Just um, in case my new partner go, lo yeah. loses his mind is exactly yeah. what he said. My partner uh, yeah, lost yeah, his yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, he lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I think that it makes sense from a storytelling standpoint at this point that you need to start problematizing the Coop character a little bit if you're going to keep yeah. going forward with this. Um, but it feels very clunky. It's just sort of like, oh, generic tragic past thing uh, just suddenly gets unwound. Um, so I, I have mixed feelings about how this comes into the story. It's going it, it to really lays in the Wyndham Earl concept and uh, it's not a major spoiler to say uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more about and from that figure as things move forward um, and we'll have a great time discussing that as it comes um, better take, or for worse yeah taking <laughs> this scene on its own it's clunky but I I understand what they're trying to do yeah. with it I wrote uh oh sounds like exposition yeah, yeah totally <laughs> too it's like he's like oh this tragic horrible thing i loved a woman who died tragically but like there's never any hint of like i have a tragic past really like like i think they mention it a couple times but it's not like this weighs on me every day of my life right yeah the whistle yeah in, in, play it every day like it's just weird yeah in in fact they uh the way they've hinted at it before is only really talking about the oh your former partner angle the Wyndham yeah. Earl specifically it's like this is kind of the first mention of there was a tragic love story um so I, I think that's part of why it feels pretty generic it's like are we going to hear a lot more about this tragic love that he had no <laughs> like, yeah, really. it's it's basically gone from the story the moment it's introduced but the upshot is we've got a guy out there that's crazy and it has something to do with a case that went bad yeah and yes. he's he's after coop so um okay so we're gonna move on from that scene yeah it's not it's not great but it, i get it i get it. it it ends on this kind of strange note where audrey i forget her exact phrasing but i have it, it written it, down yeah. you only there's only one problem with you you're perfect oh yeah that but i was also going to mention she says something along the lines of I'm not going to be a teenager forever yes, or something yeah. like that. Um, it, like really just bringing it full circle back to the yucky vibes that it starts out with. Um, Technically I'll be legal in three months. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that, that's the exact vibes of it. And it's, it's not great. It's not great. <laughs> oh God. All right. We're going to move on. This is amazing. We move on to Bobby and Shelly, right? And Bobby is, wearing one of leo's suits so it's like way bigger than it should be <laughs> and she's like that's too big for you and he's like it's big but it's bad and i got i always say this i have such aiden vibes from bobby but specifically this because aiden weighs like 100 pounds where like waist 38 pants like it, it might as well be jenko's like <laughs> that's the vibe he's going for they're kind of like back in that big big pant. and i'm always like these pants are too big he's like yeah but look, they're this fit looks so bad and i'm like oh god it's like he watched this episode <laughs> yeah 
I my my thought in this scene, and I think I've mentioned this off mic, but is like if Dana Ashbrook had gone into pro wrestling, he would have been like the best heel of all time. He would have been just, so good. He's just so good at like physically embodying being a piece of shit. Just yeah. the way he's standing, the way he looks with that giant yeah. coat on him. He's like the eyebrows, the eyebrows, you know, absolute, yeah. absolute shit eating grin all the time. Like just you honestly can't help but love him and really- yeah. No, he's no. doing terrible things. Like, it, so yeah, like, I absolutely believe that. Yeah, he's it, a perfect heel. It, it's a very like it, it's it's almost it reminds me specifically of that relationship because it's like you hate him as a character, but you love how good he is at being a hateable guy. You know, so that's why it activates that very specific feeling for me. He's like uh, he, he reminds me of Brian Pillman a little, like that maybe mm. with that kind of like remember right before Brian Pillman died and he was like I yeah. Kidnapped Marlena. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was real her weird. to marry me. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, whatever. And I loved Goldust and Marlena. But then, like, Brian Pullman died, like, real tragically. I loved him. And then they were just like, and coming out, Goldust like, and Marlena. Like, they just, <laughs> yeah, they just pretended None it never existed. Happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're just gonna, yeah, we're going to pretend that he wasn't even a person and this storyline is gone now. It was very jarring. But thank you for tuning into our wrestling podcast. Uh, I would do a wrestling podcast. <laughs> Vintage wrestling. Come oh my on. god, yes. Jesus. Anyway. Um, um, yeah, I I think plot wise, the main thing we get out of this is uh Shelly's like, I'm fucking sick of this, like having to care for Leo. I think she's like spoon feeding him in the scene or something. And oh, Shelly is tired. Yeah, like, yeah. She's done. Haggard looking. Like and, I need a, a nap and a facial, maybe. Yeah, she's like, basically, the money is not worth it. The scheme is not working out. We need to figure out something better. And uh, Bobby is just like, you know, I'm I'm going to make something happen with Ben Horn. He's the rich guy. I'm going to trust me. I got this. He's still on his, like, kind of blackmail-y bullshit here. He's convinced he's going to get uh, some sort of work out of it. They uh, continue to make out in front of... Leo, which is which, like I hate Leo, but it always just like this is disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, Bobby and his talking no heads ass. Bobby and his talking heads <laughs> ass suit. Like, <laughs> oh god, yeah, that that kind of ends. Um, whatever. Yeah, so he's gonna scheme with Ben. He's gonna try to. We'll see what happens. Um, I was looking forward to talking about this next scene because even though you know Mill's stuff kind of bugs me, but Catherine's stuff kind of doesn't. Now that she's back as Catherine. Yeah. We're over the worst of it, I think. At yeah, this point. yeah, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> but um, I love this scene because it definitely reminded me of The Simpsons because Catherine is waiting in Harry's office and Harry's like, Catherine, I thought you were dead. And she's like, <laughs> like, whatever. But I had that, such that vibe of like the Lisa has mumps episode or whatever where she's watching soap operas and she gets super into it. And they're like, Reverend, whatever, I thought you were dead. He's like, I was. <laughs> it's the same sort of delivery, like where she's like, yeah, like, I thought you were dead. That was like, all I could think of was that stupid Simpsons. It's, it's also a very weird scene in terms of, um, in terms of Harry's performance and, um, and how he responds to this news because like remember this is the guy who like pitched a fit about like there's no way a teen has ever done a cocaine like you know uh, just like one single time yeah 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 just like uh not that long ago and but he reacts to walking into Catherine being in here um 
just very casually like, oh, Catherine, that's weird. You're supposed to be dead. What's going on? He's not doing any sort of policey work. In fact, the way he responds is really troubling because she starts to spin a tale about how she escaped the fire and hid out in a like in a shack somewhere for several days, etc. And like he prompts her with details from the crime scene. He's like, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I was there at the mill and that girl was there and he's like you mean shelly johnson and he's she's like yes shelly <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's straight up like helping her build a false um, alibi yeah. I, I, I can't tell if this is and, and this is part of the trouble with this run of episodes here is i can't really tell if that's supposed to be telling us something about harry's like deference to Catherine, or if that's just like lazy writing for this scene i don't know yeah it's hard to tell um I mean, certainly I'd think a reaction. If I thought someone was dead and I walked in, I wouldn't just be like, hey. Yeah, and, and if I, I was... Be like, I'd at least fall backwards a little. Like, oh my God. Well, <laughs> and like, he's the fucking sheriff and like, there yeah. was a huge arson. So like, suddenly this person who was on the scene reappears after having been thought dead. You're not going to be like, well, you're definitely just a victim and no foul play or anything mm-hmm. went on here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just divulge what happened at the crime scene and what we saw. This is like, what we think happened. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> it's just, um, it just makes no fucking sense in the context of his role, which we normally see him taking, if, if anything, anything, like unreasonably seriously at times. So, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recreate this bird's life to see who murdered it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, uh, she tells this tale about how she thinks an angel saved her, and she was in the woods and she was afraid, and I was afraid for the first time in my life. Like, get over yourself. Yeah. Uh, and then she was like, you know, she like kind of found like from like oh this rock formation seems familiar and and it, i think she implies that it's like a childhood cabin of hers or whatever that she yeah. like, doesn't frequent anymore right which which might sound unbelievable but coming from the east coast and having a lot of friends that like had random cabins and yeah. shows like Maine and new hampshire it's just like oh yeah like we haven't gone there for five years and she's sitting there it's like weird or like little hunting blinds or something like yeah, that yeah, there's yeah. all kinds like of shit thing. like that so PNW, it's actually so the it's... most realistic thing that she said. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and then she's like, yeah, I ate some tuna. And he's like, oh, so why did you come back? She's like, I ran out of tuna. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, we're just going to leave it at that, huh? You yeah. ran on some tuna? It's weird. Um, it's just, it's a weird scene. It's just like, basically like, Hey, Kevin's back. And it's like, okay. Like, yeah, it, 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 the whole thing is very odd. The way it plays between the characters is odd. Also, Catherine's weird already, episode. Catherine's already been here as Tojimura at this point, mm-hmm. like in a previous episode to go like, uh, you know, rattle Ben Horn's cage a little bit when he was locked yeah. up downstairs. So it's like, the whole thing is like really, Oh, we're just trying to, it feels like they're just trying to throw this thread away so that they can move on to other stuff. And they can just have Catherine yeah. be Catherine yeah. without any question. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. which I support that, but this is a very <laughs> clunkily framed uh, yeah. conversation and the way this plays out. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, okay, so then we go to... Let's see what... Oh, oh, this is a Lucy and Dick scene, right? Lucy, Dick, Andy, and Hawk. Is some of the some of the, the chiefest players in this drama we call Twin Peaks. <laughs> Certainly, some of my favorites. Yeah, my favorites too. Yeah. Uh, this is a hilarious scene, actually, because Lucy and like Lucy's trying to change a fluorescent bulb, so she's up on a ladder. Mm-hmm. Then Dick's like, "Hey, I've been thinking." 
like maybe I do want to be a dad. And if this child's not like blah, blah, blah. But he climbs up on the ladder too. Mm-hmm. But like on the other side that you're not supposed to stand on. But then he's like not helping her. It's just sort of actively in her way. For yeah, he's like struggling and she's just like, what the fuck? And then Andy's like kind of spying on them and walks <laughs> by and he's just like, Hawk walks by and he basically like homers into the bush. He's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, oh. And just like, I'm not having any part of this or whatever. And it's just really fun. Like these, these like small physical comedy moments in Twin Peaks are always really funny to me. Like, like when Catherine and, and uh, what's his name were like kind of like dancing around and shit. Yeah. And this, and this particular, uh, this these particular four actors are just all incredible at this particular kind it of work really on the show. So <laughs> it's like you know, it's one of those things where it's not a really important or memorable moment, but it like it works. It's the exact kind of thing that they're good at doing. Um, yeah, sure. I'm gonna send you a great hawk reaction. I'm gonna get a screenshot <laughs> of it. It's Please. so good. I need I need yeah, as I many a... hawk reactions as possible. <laughs> my phone. Um, I finally have my phone again. So yeah. The, um, the, as, as Dick and. Um, um, Lucy. Lucy are having this conversation. There's lots of great phraseology. He refers to the <laughs> budding child as our bambino, which she's like extremely taken aback by that fr- turn of phrase. He's like, please um, don't say stuff like that to me. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just, don't, don't be like that. Uh, Andy kind of backs out of the situation. And then Hawk is kind of like silently hyping him up. Like, come on, man, get in there and throw hands. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then at some point in this process, he... Andy gets sufficiently juiced up to like get in there, and then he also climbs up on the ladder. ladder. (laughs) And and because he's he's like cartoonishly tall, it just makes him like super giant looking. And he pulls some. (laughs) I wrote Andy's play here is strong, some stigma male (laughs) shit. Um, He's like he he goes in there, and he's just like, you know what? We don't really know what the deal is, and we're not gonna for a little while. So let's try to make some friends and be good. And you fucking behave. <laughs> just right. kind of like bails but, out. But, and, and there's this like intense sexual tension. Too. Yeah. But also, no one ends up helping her with that. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Fluorescent bulbs like that, like the long, long ones. Yeah. I've done it before, and, and the, it's fucking up. Yeah, like that is yeah. definitely like a let me lift this one side for you because if they break it's a whole thing and it's toxic it's just so stupid and they're leaving the unusually short pregnant woman to do it it's like come on man oh, this picture of hawk rules i'm gonna tweet it um anyway yeah it's so it's so silly and but i like those i like those moments yeah no it's 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 a good scene it's, it's like like when moment. ben and josie were like having their little like you know, like moment where they were kind of like physical, like a lot of physical movement and, and kind of funny. Like I like, it's so rare on this show. It, there's not a lot of like super physical, like smart comedy. I think it's funny. Right. So, um, okay, so, okay, now we're gonna move on. We're, we're still in the, we're still in the police station. And I don't remember if Catherine was like, well, I gotta go. But like, now we're like- She's just gone. No, she's <laughs> gone. Yeah. Like, where'd she go? Like, I don't get Oof. it. Which, um, like, just like, well, I'm gonna go back to the woods. I don't know. She like apparated somewhere. Um, <laughs> like we get, I, I forgot to mention this talking about the earlier scene, but there is one of those classic Twin Peaks prop moments where in the conversation between Catherine and uh, Harry Truman, he's got, he's holding his hat Uh-oh. and inside of is his hat, Chris? What's that? Or is this me? What? I'm I'm seeing and hearing you fine. Yeah. Are you okay? Oh, Go now on. you seem frozen. 
Are you I'm back? Froze. I still see I froze your yeah. You froze for a second. I froze. Okay. I think I'm back. And you're yeah. back. Yeah. Um, um, there's okay, cool. in, in the prior scene, um, we saw Harry was holding like his hat and inside of his hat was a brown paper bag. <laughs> and he was just kind of awkwardly holding that throughout most of that scene with <laughs> Catherine before. Um, it is now revealed uh, as Coop walks in and Coop, I believe, is he already in his fishing vest here? I don't remember off the top of my head. No, no, not, he's not. I, no, yeah, he's not. not. Um, but uh, we're heading that direction as Harry produces a gift for Cooper, uh, one of a couple he'll provide in this scene, and it's a fly he has personally tied. Uh, this is one of those like elaborate rituals heterosexual men have to develop in order to <laughs> right. show affection for each other um so even though it's very awkward and coop is very awkward about it something feels a little unusually ring of truth ish about this scene to me no. <laughs> two lawmen exchanging ties i did it with my hand myself right. <laughs> and an elaborately <laughs> firm handshake yeah 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 <laughs> We're not being gay here. Son of a bitch. You know, <laughs> like lethal weapon style. I um I actually like this because I kind of secretly like ship and, and Harry. So yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm like, just kiss him. Yeah. He made you a fly. That's crazy. Like, I don't I don't fish. I don't know whatever. Yeah. But yeah. uh, but it's so it's so cute. He's like a skunk tail or whatever. I like I'm like just kiss, just kiss. But it's one of those like male friendships like did yeah, you see yeah. that tweet yesterday that was like men can or the other day that was like men can only like we'll literally talk about old sports people and have the best time yeah but like, well that's because like you know society uh, mm -hmm. shows that like men can't really like have it's like start start the heteropatriarchy where men can't have emotional bonds with other men unless it's like rooted in something masculine blah, blah, blah. and it was actually a really good point like yeah completely correct but his name was Kyle Boggs, and someone responded to him with, any relation to Boggs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Which is, like, everything, he said, everything he said was true, though. It's very much like a, I can't, like, I'm going to miss you so much. We've really bonded over this time, and you're, you've been a great, you know, partner to work with, and, and you're a good friend. It's like, I made you some fishing gear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of with that said, brother. and point well taken, we get an even better present here for Coop because he gets the official patch <gasps> of the secret organization. Why do they have a why do they have a patch <laughs> if they're a secret organization? The Bookhouse Boys. <laughs> and he's so happy. He's, he's like, he's I'm pleased. a Bookhouse Boy now. Like, yeah, it is weird that they would have something that symbolizes them. Yeah, clothes. Yeah. Like, it's an odd thing, but uh, whatever. Um, yeah, this is a big moment for him, and it's awesome. So, but it's also that's rooted in just like procedural work. Like we're we're secret agents. <laughs> like there's nothing there's nothing tender about this, really. Um, it's cute though. I like it. And then he ends the scene with a stupid whistle. <laughs> He's like toot toot. <laughs> I'm so happy. The aforementioned whistle. Anyway, uh, okay, let's see. Oh, but they're interrupted. Yeah. Right? Well. He starts, he starts to do this elaborate saying goodbye and exiting. Yes, that's it. And then, like, like all of the people are, like, lined up. Like, single yeah, it's a real Wizard like, of a, Oz kind like, of thing. Yeah, it's like graduation <laughs> ceremony. Line. And then, like, the two biggest nerds ever in the world, like, walk in the front door, and they're like, Cooper, 
you done broke the rules now. <laughs> uh, one of them is a Mountie, yeah. cartoonish Mountie gear, which I guess is supposed to communicate to us that he is uh, from the Canadian side of the border. Right. And uh, then another nondescript FBI agent looking dude. Um, I, I think we just get the idea that like you're under suspicion because some shit went on uh, up north and they're going to come back and kind of interrogate him in a minute. But we cut away from it to witness some Bobby shenanigans at the horn. More shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> this, but this is great. This is a great scene because, first of all, Bobby always overconfident. Yeah. I appreciate about him. He he thinks he's better than he is, and that's kind of okay. But uh, I like this because we have opined many times on this show that that it started off in a school, and then it's like these just don't go to school anymore because they're kids. And they're in high school, but we're gonna start getting some school content. Like I know there's <laughs> stuff with with her being like, but this is like specifically like actual students talking about school. So I'm like, yeah. okay, like this is here we go. So they do still recognize that they're students and teenagers, yeah. but they also papers and their kidnappings and <laughs> yeah. So to sort of set the scene a little more specifically, Bobby yeah. comes in, he's trying to get a meeting with Ben Horn and he runs into Audrey in the hall. And so they sort of begin this thing like, aren't you supposed to be in school? And, or, or Bobby says that, and Audrey says, and I quote, <laughs> School numbs my buns. Numbs <laughs> How about my you? Buns. <laughs> and then, like, um, and then he's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I got business to do." So it is very funny that we start this episode with putting a like thirty-something-year-old woman into high school, and then later on we lampshade in the episode that the high schoolers are never at school and right. they don't, <laughs> and they just decide not to go. So. I love the use of the word buns. Too. Yeah. Actually, not to be spoilery, and I'm not really spoiling anything, but it actually comes back in the next episode in an amazing way. So just keep the buns on the back burner. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get toasty there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is such a funny thing. And you know what? We rarely see a Bobby Audrey. Like, I, this might even be the first time we see a Dunn. Yeah, I think it is. So it's like, it's like, I, I might have said this before, but it's kind of like that rare, like, Friends episode where, like, <laughs> Phoebe and, like, Chandler hang out or whatever, and it's like, mm -hmm. but... Yeah, Audrey's uh, doing a lot of that in this episode, like you pointed out at the at the wake scene at the beginning. That's right, um, yeah, that's what I It feels like it. she's been kind of bubbled in this, like, storyline with Coop and the One-Eyed Jacks and all that stuff. It, it feels very much like the... The writing team wants to bounce her off a couple more characters and see, see what she can, can come of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like their dynamic together. I love it. Like, I think it's uh, like Audrey's whole deal is like a lot more palatable when contextualized with Bobby's like dumb but lovable brashness, <laughs> you know? Uh, so Bobby's like, I just need to get a meeting with Ben. And Audrey just like kind of storms in there. And she makes They're holding a basket of yeah, stars yeah. and she's like, here. Hold this. <laughs> and then what I think is really funny about this, like, yeah, she obviously goes, she's like, hold this, I'll go talk to my dad. But he does these, like, funny, like, moves with this basket of scarves that's very, like, teenage boy. Yeah. Spinning around and stuff, and I thought it was kind of like a, like, why is she carrying that in the first place? It's a weird thing. He but. does, like, the centripetal force trick where when you swing yeah, the basket right, all the right. way around, it doesn't fly out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so she comes back out of the office and is like, like she has set the stage for him to have this meeting now. And he's like, damn, yeah. 
and then he just sort of like goes in there and then immediately gets yeah. beaten back out of the But before there. he goes in, he sticks his gum on yeah. the wall. That's right. Which that's is right. so great disrespectful. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like that, first of all, that's disgusting, even in a pre-COVID world. But also, like, she just did you a favor and you're defacing their property. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, he just gets booted right out. Instantaneously. So ben does not give a fuck or he has not gotten the memo on this audio tape that bobby has um as he's hauled out of there he's like shouting after the lackeys like you just tell your boss that that's not the original of the tape i still have a copy or whatever so he's still trying to work this blackmail angle but ben does not seem particularly worried about it ben, ben seems like he has other things he's got bigger fish to fry right he's like <laughs> he's looking very very rough Plus, plus he just got off on like a after having been pretty credibly accused for a while of, of a murder. murder. <laughs> so like, and also having to admit to his like daughter, like I was sleeping with your like teenage peer. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a lot of creepy shit came out about him. Yeah, it basically admitted had but, to divulge yeah. a lot of his involvement with One Eyed Jacks to an FBI agent. Like a lot of this has not gone well for him recently. Um. So we're back from there, I think, to the uh, Coop being interrogated by the dork squad uh, <laughs> in the Twin Peaks police office. And they're basically bringing up all these little questions you might have had in your mind as we went through the events <laughs> leading up to the sort of big reveal of like, you know, after all of his like adherence to propriety and stuff, like Coop just goes to One-Eyed Jacks and like he's just like shooting people and shit. Like what? Like Hawk just killed a guy with a tomahawk. Like what the fuck? And not only that, but they did it across like country yeah. lines. So yeah. It's, like, an international thing at this point. <laughs> like yeah. So it it reads as making sense in the scene. We're gonna get a little more context about it later. But as you watch the scene, it's still like. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense that they're kind of troubled by this, and he doesn't really seem to have that strong of a formal argument other than to just be like, I did what I what I felt like I had to do. Um, and um, They're basically like, you're facing a lot of charges, and basically like, no. <laughs> he's like he's like but i but we got the killer didn't we it was yeah, it was like, this crazy guy who had a demon in and him and it's like he, you're dude <laughs> like there's still procedures but and yeah uh yeah it, we get more into this in, a, in kind of more interesting ways later so i don't really want to spend too much time talking. yeah i i do i do want to talk about how the scene stuff. ends though because they yeah. do the pretty old school like turn over your gun and badge yeah. thing and it's and so of course coop's gun is like this like ex like snub nose revolver like this is your fbi issued sidearm like come on like and sure it is. yeah like he forks that stuff over and then truman comes in and they extremely unsubtly do like a bookhouse boys gesture at each other in the doorway and uh then the the dorks are like truman you know you could be forthcoming on this and help us like get this done quickly we would love that and he's like he basically puts his dick on the table. He's like, Coop is like, you know, he's like the, the best, the finest lawman I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> so you guys are, you, you got to show up with a fucking warrant and you got to like, I'm going to make you jump through every hoop to every hoop to I this can, guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> we move from there. 
Whatever, Harry loves Coop. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. I, I like I like the dynamic. Yeah. We're going to move from that to cheerleading tryouts. And one of yeah. what is, what I is like, okay, so Fritz is always like, I want to talk about this, but the thing is, like, he has to watch. We have a two-year-old, so he has to watch her <laughs> while I do this because she's, like, really obnoxious to try to work anything around. So he, I don't know if we'll ever get him to talk about this on the show, but uh, this is by far his most, like, painful of the Twin Peaks subplots. And, and this particular scene showcases what is most likely the worst, like, TV editing, special effect, whatever, that this show has ever shown. And it, it, that's saying a lot because there's some really shitty stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, early 90s, just like, how can we make this look this way? But, of it, course... It kind of feels like it needed a reshoot that they didn't get done. You know, no. like, they're, the way the editing goes... Like, so just to sort of talk out the the sequence of events here, like Nadine is doing some like various uh, various trials to demonstrate her ability to be on the cheerleading squad. She does some tumbling that like, where she's very obviously a stunt double and she does like a shitload of flips and stuff. It, and it, it starts off like, like within the realm of reason there. And then she said- like, Yeah, you, sorry, you guys are, I'm watching this live. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then she just like, with little to no explanation, she just like grabs a guy, and and this is where all this Nadine has super strength thing has been building to. And she just fucking yeets him, but but the way, but there's so much about it that's weird, yeah. even beyond the fact that they have her throw this guy seemingly like thirty yards through the for air for no reason. For no reason is that they also the. The shot where she grabs and tries to throw him is super weirdly edited. It's like the yes. footage gets racked back and forth a couple times. I'm not really sure why that is. It, yeah. it looks really bad and awkward. Um, and then when they have him flying through the air, it's one of these things where they've <laughs> I, I don't, where they've done like three or four different yeah. takes of it. So like the arc of his flight seems <laughs> to go up into the air and then curves back down. And right. then suddenly he's going up into the air again and then curving back down. Yeah. It happens so like weird. three times. It's it's so I don't know. I don't know if this was supposed to be one of those things where they just feel that where it's supposed to be like if you were standing here, this is what it would look like. And if you're standing Yeah, here, yeah, maybe like the multi but it's so sloppy and looks so bad. Yeah. From the stunt double for Nadine, right down to this editing, like this whole scene is <laughs> strife with just like a freshman year level, yeah. like, to film, like, <laughs> like how can we do this on our phones? Like, yeah, bad. it's not good. It's, it's <laughs> like and it's it, a silly scene for a silly subplot, but then it's like, what? And and for some reason, it also feels like super slowed down at one point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's very slow mo when the dude is flying through the air. It's like, weird, but even when she picks him up, it seems like it's, it's yeah, just that, a the whole thing is weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I think to to speak to your point uh, about that shot, I, it looks like they're trying to imply that somehow she's got like the superpower to go back. I know viewers can't see this, but our listeners can't see this, but I'm like go back and then up, like yeah, back yeah. and up. No, so they I, try to to rack and, and yeah. back and forth, but it doesn't play at all. It, it looks just, like shit you can is see. the yeah. thing. Like yeah. it, it, it's like and and it's so difficult. It, it's it's so kind of just illegible on the film that yeah. it's like hard to tell what they're even trying to communicate to you. Yeah. So it's just 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, and the arc of the throw is what made me laugh. I yeah, mean, yeah, it's just no, it's really funny. funny. Yeah, you should and, laugh. I was laughing. And like, <laughs> and it's supposed to be funny, but it's like, uh, yeah, I, it's it, you know, like I, I, it's what it is is it's just so weird that it's like attention grabbing away from stuff that actually matters in the episode. And right. Yeah, it's just. A lot of the know, stuff is just like, let's yeah. just be weird for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I can see why Fritz gets angry at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> angry about it, but it's like, it's not. It's dumb. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. weird. It's dumb. That's all there is to it. It's a dumb thing. So, why does she have super? She didn't even have super strength after the accident. She had it before the accident. Like, what is her strength? Right. Mm-hmm. Will we ever find out? I'm just gonna say it. No, I don't think. <laughs> no, we won't. It's a, and and will the Is series an continue? Alien? And and will the will the series continue to remember that she has this ability? And the answer to that is also no. It <laughs> no. will eventually just disappear, and it will never be talked about again. And nope. It will nothing. We'll never will do anything about. with it. Yeah. Anyway, the next note I have is teeth, and I don't remember why I wrote that. Oh, that's interesting. Brushing the, the teeth. Brushing the teeth. Of Leo. Oh, that's oh, it. It's the next shot. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. my Ugh. next note is Shelly's super over it. So <laughs> yeah, she's just like, I, I don't want to be yeah. doing this anymore. Yeah. But she still does it, which I think is the mark of any, like, caretaker, probably. Just like, mm-hmm. yeah. But I'm still going to do it because I'm a good person. Right. But I'm going to complain about it a lot. And she clearly is, it's not being explored very well yet, but I think we'll get a little more of it. She's clearly starting to have some guilt over the Leo thing. Like, yeah. there was yeah. clearly some novelty for her at first after having been repeatedly abused by him and threatened mm-hmm. by him and so forth. But now it's like, this is just miserable. Like, I hate everything about this. Yeah, Defin- definitely some regrets. Um, I mean, she shouldn't feel guilty about anything, really, because he sucks. But, like, yeah. I get Yeah. Like, um, and then, like, you know, you rush into this, like, illicit sort of, like, ooh, an affair. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, cheating on my shitty husband. But then it's like, oh, now, now I have to, like, date this guy. He kind of sucks. Right. He's, like, wearing two big clothes. Yeah. <laughs> he's a teenager. He's a fucking well, teenager. He's like, a teenager. <laughs> he's a boy. I mean, also, he's off older. having ice cream with, uh, with Audrey. Right. Yeah, she's all like, oh, I like to lick this ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Like, <laughs> poor Shelly. When was the last time she had a nice, tasty treat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I believe Bobby comes back and, and talks about what happened. Uh, I, phone call. Wait, it's a phone call. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. right. right. she's complaining about the length of the meeting, which right. wasn't even a long meeting because he's off. Yeah, he's yeah, because he was yeah. Yeah. hanging out with girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's hanging out with girls. What the hell? Yeah. Um, but then, like, Leo, like, as she's talking and not paying attention, Leo's wheelchair, it's a kind of a cool shot. It's, like, from... Mm-hmm. So she's on the phone, and you see, like, his front wheel, like, foreground. And he moves, like, he inches forward. And she doesn't notice at first. When she turns, she realizes, like, he's closer to me than he was before. And mm-hmm. she's like, I think he moved. So it's like, oh, no. Like, oh, no. What's going on with Leo now? Run! <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of that. We go to the double R. I like, okay, I like a lot of this stuff here. Um, we go to the double R, and... <laughs> Norma is talking to her mom. Her mom's a real bitch. Let's be real. Like, her mom's being, like, the biggest C-word to her. And it turns out that she's the food critic that they've been waiting for. We knew this. Like, it was really right. obvious. Like, 
Well, and, and it's also kind of funny that they like blow this up here because like they started this plot line about the food critic coming into town. And then in the middle of that, they had this whole thing of like revealing Laura's killer and the deal with, uh, with uh, Leland and all of that. And then suddenly we're back in, oh, remember the food critic thing? <laughs> we never really resolved yeah, that. Even, Sorry, even guys. Yeah. But even with it came, like, okay, her mom's in town. But we have this whole plot about, like, her mom's new husband. Was, right. Like, in cahoots with, like, fucking dingus. And he's still around. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it's all this thing. So now we're just back to, like, oh, you're the critic? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. seven episodes Exactly, ago, exactly. Right? What's weird is I believe she goes, like, Oh yeah, I'm the critic, and it's like, but you are a food critic, so why are you implying with air quotes that you're not? Like that, it didn't. It was weird to me. Oh my god, I don't understand. Yeah, I, that was very strange. Um, um I, I like it though because uh, I like this a lot of the stuff with with Norma and her mom because it's just you know as a daughter of a mom hmm. who seems to be overly critical of me for reasons I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Not trying to do anything to be criticized or whatever <laughs> and it's still like i remember once i went over and my mom was like your eyebrows are too dark and i was like like she hi i'm like oh. yeah <laughs> very much like if i had a diner my mom would be like these mushrooms like what yeah are yeah her mom is really like is really like sorry i had no choice but to excoriate you in that review because your restaurant fucking sucks like <laughs> she's, she's so unpleasant about it <laughs> i wrote colleen donaghy vibes because uh 30 Rock, Jack, oh, Colleen right. yeah. is super critical like that. And yeah. and very much like, no, I'm right. And you're an idiot. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, this is very much like, <laughs> I mean, obviously 30 Rock, it's funnier, but like, yeah, yeah. but like, it's very much like, like just oh, my fucking idiot kid. And like Norma is just so per like, she's wonderful. She's a kind woman just trying to own her own diner. And she's like, why are you doing this to me? I don't get it. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, she was like, you know, it's a good. I gave you a good review, but it's. I you wanted a good review, but it's just not a good restaurant. Well, excuse the fuck out of me, but every time I see a scene there, it's packed. So right. it, it must be good. <laughs> and my friend Cooper tells me that they have the best coffee and cherry pie. So right? it's not that bad. Maybe you ordered he the wrong be the shit. Critic. Yeah. He should be while he's on suspension. Take over. Um, yeah. But I like because I believe this is where she's like, I don't really want you in my life anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, you know what? Those are good boundaries. And a lot of good self-validation is happening here. She's like, I'm a good person and you're mean to me and I'm not taking it anymore. I'm a grown adult. I'm like in my like late 40s at this point. Stop it. And I was like, good for her because like a boundary like that's really hard. Maybe I was just really looking into it because I'm like, ooh, personal no, about I, stuff. I think okay. you're right to pick up on that. And uh, I'm going to go even one further with that because I, I think it's actually pretty interesting about Norma's character is that she can see that this person has wronged her um, and is trying to draw this boundary. But with her husband, he's still, you know, despite her reservations, he's still getting pretty much infinite chances. And we know how big, like, he didn't write a shitty review of her restaurant. He's out there fucking shooting people, like setting fires and stuff. Like he's, he's a, a bad dude. Yeah, he's a bad fucking guy. And Sending he's like dice. Sending sending dominoes in the mail for some reason. Yeah, to, to strange <laughs> women. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it is funny. It's it's funny, like what people will allow from certain people in their lives, and what they are like. No, I'm not doing. It's it's almost hypocritical, but like yeah. very realistic. And, 
and there's a certain irony to her saying, no, you're out of my life now, as we transition into what I believe is the very next scene here, yes. which is at One-Eyed Jacks, um, and which honestly is great just so we can see Jacques Renault again. I fucking love so his good. performance love on this. Um, but uh, basically, um, we see Dingus haul uh, the mom's new husband, the professor, in to do business with Jacques and I can never remember his name, so now I just yeah. talk, now when I'm talking about them, I just call them Dingus and what's his name? Dingus and what's <laughs> I'm like, his I name? Don't, I really just don't understand, don't know who it is. That that should be a, one of our merch ideas. Is just those two guys on a shirt. This is Dingus. <laughs> like, and what's his name? I have it as Hank and Ernie. Yeah, Ernie. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. It right. is Ernie. It is Ernie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why you don't remember it because his name is fucking Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> He's known as Sesame Orange Street Muppet, ass. so I don't yeah. Sesame Street name and ass. <laughs> uh, I like. I actually like. Uh, Ernie reminds me a lot of Richard Kind, so it's like really. Yes. Like yeah. I thought it was him at first, and I was yeah. like, no, it's not. That's not him. But it's. Very uh, it's a memorable performance for a character who doesn't really do a ton on screen. That you still, he still sticks out. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're up at One Eye Jacks and they're talking to Jean Renault about like crimes. Yeah, they they're setting up some kind of deal. It's all very kind of vague, generic, like criminal talk. Uh that it's like the, let's like oh, let's like fuck Ben over. Yeah, yeah. Crime. So the the real upshot from a plot standpoint is here is that one of the various assembled cronies here we recognize is the Mountie from the earlier scene. He's now dressed in somewhat less uh, immediately recognizably Canadian attire, but he is there and he is talking about using some of this product they have of cocaine to basically uh, frame Coop with it, to put right. it on his person or in his vehicle or something like that. Um, I so, think they definitely uh, even said like, oh, we're going to put it in his car. I'm like, that yeah. didn't work with like Oh, I guess it kind of worked a little bit with James. Kind of worked with James. Yeah. It threw them <laughs> off the trail for a little bit, but then James was just like, "No, it wasn't me." No. And then, and Harry was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> um, yeah. So, what we know is like the Mountie here. It, it's interesting what they're kind of setting up, where he's both part of the kind of. Uh, above the table investigation of Coop and the below the table let's try to frame this guy and get him yeah. the fuck out of here. He's playing both time. sides. Yeah, yeah, he's playing both that sides. That way, from what I learned on Always Sunny, that way you're playing both <laughs> sides, you always come out on top. Yep, that's right, that's right. Um, he watched <laughs> It's Always Sunny. He traveled into and the And he was like, that makes sense. That. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. You're not supposed to tell people you're playing both sides. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's so funny. I wrote down the craps and the roulette A because I think like that at one point and yeah, it's yeah. very much like it reminded me of that did you ever see that like french like news thing and some like american guy goes up and he's like ha 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 right and he's like and like the news report is like cracking up because it's just like in his face like, yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah. being stereotypical but like the way he says it just reminds me of that yeah no it is funny because it's like he's like they're basically trying to goad ernie into gambling yeah. <laughs> because he is a gambling addict a gambling who does not addict. gamble and they're like no come on surely you want you want to lose some of your money to us <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can just spin the roulette will one yeah yeah oh all right um my, okay so oh yeah i wrote home um so, <laughs> so i i thought it said how 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 and i was like what the fuck about, oh ho, ho, ho. <laughs> uh so yeah they're basically gonna set up that's it that's all there is no. Um, my next note is 
Josie's dot 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 back? Yeah. <laughs> there's a like shot of the full moon and Harry's just having a snooze, which is like yeah. real real like gentle and cute. And then uh Josie shows up and he opens the door and she kinda like collapses, like he's mm-hmm. injured. But then they like immediately start making out and I'm like, I'm so I, like I'm sorry, but like like we've seen some like weird sex stuff with them before and I'm like, maybe make sure she's not stabbed. Like the way right. she's over is like very like I'm weak. And he's like, Let's fuck right here. Yeah. I'm, I'm like door stoop. Yeah, like, especially since again, and this is another like strange moment for Truman, who like the last time he interacted with her, it's like, uh, my whole identity was a lie. Bye. And then she just fucking pieced out for many episodes. And also, P.S. I didn't love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so weird. Um, also, just generally, the kind of framing of the scene is very bizarre. It has like a almost looks like the cover of like a pulp horror novel or something. Yeah. She's kind of yeah. like flailing. I think you first see her through the window or something, yeah, something. and then like it's it's very strange the whole thing. Strange thing, but it's like okay, Josie's back, but we don't want to get into it right now. Yeah, yeah. But so it's, it's established like, she's back. Jo- and- Josie's back. We don't know what this means. Okay, let's guess we're moving forward. Moving forward. So now we're we're coming towards the end here. So yeah. Now we're on this camping trip uh, between Coop and Garland Briggs. What's better than this, huh? Just guys Nothing. being dudes. Dudes, <laughs> guys being dudes. Drinking some coffee out of one of those mugs. Talking about philosophy. I love, uh, personally, I would go camping with Garland Briggs. And oh, hell yeah. Like camping. Like, can you see me fucking camping? And yeah. No, but in this no. specific set of conditions, maybe. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Talk to me about how love might possibly not be enough and you stay up at night worrying. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're so they're talking. They're kind of just like, well, I've been thinking about like the shit that went down with Lee, like, like this Bob. Like, does, did Bob really exist? Was Lee went just crazy? Like a lot of like real prophetic stuff is coming up here. Um, and uh, you know, they're just kind of talking, talking metaphysics. Or yeah. And, uh, Garland starts uh, talking about like, oh, have you ever heard of the White Lodge? So it's like, okay, we're getting into something. Yeah. So. We're getting into, we're getting into what we call like <laughs> the um, the shows, like you know, origins the, or the, the right, show the behind the show. The yeah. show behind yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the this real is the nitty gritty. I think this <laughs> is the first appearance on screen of that term white lodge. I think it is. Too. Um, yeah. You're gonna be hearing a lot about that as we proceed forward through the series. But if you're actually uh, watching this for the first time along with this podcast. Um, that's think. Let, let's remember that phrase, White Lodge. Okay. Right. Take it away for another day. But what I love about this is he's like, and I understand why they do this in the show, but yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, did you ever hear about this place, the White Lodge? And it's like, I have to take a piss. Yeah. Right now. And it's like, just fucking hold it. He's and, telling me something. And. It's like maximum coop being weird about shit. Uh, just he's like, he's like, well, major, I would like to hear about that white lodge, but first I have to answer the call of nature. And then he says something else about enjoying urinating in the open air. Yeah, he's about it. <laughs> I am a girl, so I have never gone to piss like that, but uh, without it being a, a big process, but um. Yeah, it's hilarious. He's like, oh, I love to piss outside. We are men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Tell me about this this spooky stuff. This White Lodge. Uh, right after I indulge my favorite hobby, 
pissing outside. <laughs> so what did you do while you were camping? Oh, you know, talking about White Lodge, pissed. <laughs> um, so Coop, of course, gets up to pee. And uh, oh, I wrote, he loves it, the piss. But Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> but... <laughs> then we the Sorry, there's, before that, there's a great moment where when he leaves, he's like, I look forward to hearing more about this White Lodge. And the Major just thumbs up. <laughs> well, major we'll supports him in his outdoor urination practices. I'm interested in, I'm interested in your theories. I would like to subscribe to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so as this is happening, Gollum's like sitting there. They're not far away from each other or anything. Yeah. Woods are filled with this white light, and there's this like we see a bunch of the owls, which we've been cued in to talk about up to this owls point. Owls aren't what they seem. Yeah, um, it's very fire in the sky, which if you and yeah. all you know, I don't care for. <laughs> I am not an aliens person. I'm terrified of the concept of them. I used to duck <laughs> my shades to my window so they wouldn't be able to look in at me. That's that's solid. That's that's, that's like thing. putting the whole blanket over your entire body yeah. so the monsters can't get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing they at can't. Me. It's impenetrable. Right. <laughs> get it. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's very like it, it's very almost like close encounters. Just like this yeah. giant like white light thing, and like it, and the major just kind of was like, well, what's what's the deal with this? Oh, it's like. We, we and see Coop, like, awkwardly doing the run back down from pissing, like... <laughs> <laughs> no time to pull up my pants! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he looks like he's wearing about 15 layers of flannels for <laughs> some reason. Just the way he looks on this, in this scene when he's running is very funny to me. Yeah, and of course he gets there and Garland is gone, so... That's how the episode ends. Oof, he's, he he's got, gone. He took it. So look, here's the thing. What have we learned this episode? Don't get up to piss... If you're only two people camping. Take a buddy. Buddy system. Yeah, right. buddy system it. And if you can't, yeah, go together or just piss right there. Why can't you just piss right next to your tent and just be like, I pissed there. I'm not going to stand there. I don't know. Then you're smelling piss in your yeah. tent. I, 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 I wouldn't see done, that's the thing, though. Listen, I wouldn't be in a tent in the first place. Having, having done dude camping before, there is a strategy to this. And it's to <laughs> not piss where you are sleeping. Camp talk. So. Right. Yeah, but like, if there's the possibility that you're going to get alien napped or like white lodge napped or whatever, then or black lodge napped or whatever, like, piss together. That's the, the last. Yeah, I mean, the major has access, as we know, to some information. So, you know, yeah, he, he knows be, you would think he'd be a little more cautious. Yeah, that's the thing. It's crazy, but he got comfortable. That's what I have. That's what happened. He got too comfortable. So, yeah, that's how it ends. So, uh, that's that episode. Uh, it's weird. A lot of stuff happens in this episode, and yet so much doesn't. <laughs> it, real up and down. There's some like big like steps and plot points like with the Shelly's mom thing, like with the setup of the investigation of Coop and stuff like that. And then there's shit like Nadine throws a guy through the air and because of how it's edited, it takes like five minutes of the episode to show it. And it's funny because looking back and talking about it, the episode seems like it's like a million hours long. Cause yeah, totally. Episode with Sarah after Leland's funeral. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, that seems like it was eight episodes ago at this point. Well, Which is just yeah. funny because coming, like, in our next episode, we're going to talk about this, but the next episode just seems to go by so fast that it's like, I don't know, they shoved a lot of shit into this episode. Yeah, it's a real, 
for some of it. It's a real Twin Peaks is a land of contrasts kind of episodes <laughs> where like it starts with as you as you brought up that rather like heartbreaking scene where they're sitting in Sarah Palmer's house and like she's talking about no I don't want to be sedated for the funeral and then it ends with like or in the middle you've got shit like Nadine throwing dudes and stuff like that and it ends with a fucking like as far as we know at this point alien abduction like what the hell is going on in this right yeah all over the place i think sarah deserved more than just being like everyone i love is dead and i'm really sad now (laughs) madcap antics can you see up nadine's dress in her patent leather shoes (laughs) it's like it's i don't know but bobby's suit is too big (laughs) (laughs) it's like my entire family is dead and i love myself forever (laughs) bobby's wearing a suit (laughs) Sticking gum on walls. It's weird. It's weird While his stuff. girlfriend has to tend to her abusive ex-husband. Yeah. Like, like, what is that? like a traumatic brain injury. Like, <laughs> anyway, but we get a lot of this weirdness in Twin Peaks. We should not be surprised. So, no. all right. So wrapping up, we will see you next time again. My name is Colleen Carney Hepner. I am Chris Pruitt. Matt Guerrero. Oh, oh producers Matt, Do we have any okay. Matt producers corners? I have a, a brief thing, yeah. Okay. Uh, I was Shit, I was so sorry. taken by by the appearance of the Mountie, uh, especially the first time that you see him without the Mountie hat, just made me laugh out loud. Uh, just something about his face is so uh, so cool. So this is um, Gavin O'Hurley, and he <laughs> O'Hurley. That's an amazing O'Hurley. name. Yeah, it's a great name, and he is the son of Dan O'Hurley, who was Andrew Packard on the show way back when. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And he, he uh, best known for, like, he was in Never Say Never. He was in Superman 3. He did a lot of shit. And he was also Chuck Cunningham. I don't know if you remember Happy Days, but, like, I Richie Cunningham remember. has the older brother that just goes upstairs and never was seen again. Yes, that was him? That's him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> I never would have put that together. That's so yeah. fucking funny. <laughs> that is that's oh, it. that's incredible. I'm sorry, but that. Oh, what the hell? Um, that. I'm sorry. I, I totally forgot about producers' corner. I was like, what? yeah, and we would have missed out on a great tidbit. We would have missed out. That's amazing. Is that all for the episode? Though there's nothing else kind of interesting. No, no, that's all we got. That's all. No I got, deep yeah. dig into there, how they. No, look, there's, let's just get past this one. <laughs> Let's get it in the books. It definitely feels, I mean, just on a personal note, you know, we were talking about The Simpsons earlier, and there's a point in The Simpsons, like probably about 10, 15 years in, where it feels like Simpsons fans are trying to write The Simpsons, and it just yeah. doesn't work as yes, well. Yes, yes. And that, that this feels thing. like that. That's what this run of episodes kind of does. It's like, yeah. and, and not only that, but f- like Twin Peaks fans writing the episodes who don't have a very strong sense of what makes Twin Peaks work or what makes it interesting as a piece of television and are instead sort of fixated on the, uh, on, on the sort of surface level aesthetic elements of it. Oh, we have to have the wackiness. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, like, here's what's going on. That's weird. There's a Bobby's got a big suit, you know, and like, not really the sort of the like undercurrent of sort of trauma and sinister, like just something that you can't quite, grasped and can't quite tell what's coming at you none of that really is there even when like you know uh the major is taken at the end of the episode it's like Mm -hmm. 
what the fuck was that? Like, there's right. no, no, like, lead into it. There's no sense of what the threat is. It just happens all of a sudden. Lights. Yeah. 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 Uh, that is an actual thing, too, where it's like the Simpsons writers stopped writing and then they hired people who grew up on The Simpsons. So right. it's like, yeah. that's like, a, that is, there's like articles about it and stuff. Yeah. Talked about that and, before. Yeah. And it's so crazy for it to happen right away. I mean, that's what uh, I'm sure, especially in the, the community of television writers, you see something like Twin Peaks happening and it must have been the most exciting thing. Like, oh, we can do this. Yeah. And then you get your shot at it and you just, you don't. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> what if they did threw a guy through the right. hair? <laughs> anyway, that's that's the show, everybody. I'm calling from Kevin. I'm Chris Pruitt. Matt Guerrero. Bye. Bye.